The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. I like the intentional idea. That's kind of the theme for 22. That's exactly what it is. It's like be intentional. Yeah, take your power back. And how can you, you know, not just kind of be along for the ride? Yeah. It doesn't take a lot. It just takes one thing to think about. Broadcasting to the world from inside her closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Philipson. We've all been to the doctor. You walk in, you sit down at their desk, you might stretch out on that observation table with a crunchy paper, and then you share how you're feeling and, you know, what's taking you to the doctor's office? What are your symptoms? What are you concerned? What's on your mind? Then your doctor assesses them all, writes some notes, maybe checks you out, does a physical exam, looks in your eyes, your ears, whatever, and maybe order some tests to see what is not actually seen. Maybe it's an ultrasound, an x-ray, CT scan, MRI, to work as a Superman x-ray vision to see what's on the inside and what might be causing your symptoms and how you're feeling. Or maybe it's an ECG to see how your heart is working or an EEG to measure the electrical activity in your brain. Then there can be more invasive tests like a gastroscopy or a colonoscopy so they can actually lay their eyes on those internal tissues and see what's going on. Then, well, there's some investigation that's needed to be done depending on what you're presented with. And in the vein of being intentional or be intentional, which is what you'll find all over my social media, rather than waiting until you actually need those tests, what can a typical blood test or even other tests tell you about where you're at and maybe even what's brewing that you can't see or feel yet. As the third episode in this Be Intentional series, I want to do a deep dive into just the average blood test that's really accessible to everyone and what it can be telling you about yourself more from a holistic or even a functional medicine perspective. Outside those predetermined reference ranges, which really is an average of what's going on, sometimes even from country to country. And maybe that's just an okay place to be, but what do the actual numbers mean and what could be optimal? Is there a reference range of, let's say, B12 that's impacting your mental health or your detoxification or your methylation capabilities and therefore your overall health? Or is that vitamin D reference range really going to impact your mental health, your immunity, or even your bone strength? We've got the perfect guest to help answer these questions and so much more. So today on Eat This with Leanne, we're going to analyze the blood test, not just one, but a few of them, and what it can really tell you and what other tests might be ones to help you to be intentional with your health as we continue this series with part three. 
I can't tell you how many times I hear from clients that their blood test comes back normal. I'm normal. My blood test says I'm normal. Because of that, their symptoms are their, or their issue that they're presenting with and why they go and see their doctor and have the blood test, well, they're pretty much dismissed. Well, there's nothing showing up on your blood. So I don't know. I haven't really got anything for you. I've never understood that because the analysis by blood then saying that you're completely fine when you're clearly not, well, it just there's just no resolution to it. Or so many people, they just don't end up feeling heard. And then they don't end up going back to their doctor and saying, well, I've got this or I've got that. And that unto itself can end up being a problem. Is a blood test the right test for what you're dealing with? Is it sensitive enough and telling you the right story of, let's say, your thyroid issues, for instance? There is a whole lot to, there's just so much stuff swimming around in our blood. And then there's also what's actually in the tissues. Urine tests, well, they show what's what you're eliminating and what's coming out of your body and so good for specific issues. And we tend to think that the blood test will tell us all and has all the answers. And then that's what ends up being so frustrating when you're not outside of this reference range. I'd like to say that it can tell us a lot more than what you're told by your doctor, whether you get a call back or not. And also there's the question of, have you actually ever seen your blood test results? Do you get them sent to you? Do you get the piece of paper? Do you request it? Do you ask for it? Or do you just get a phone call to say that, no, you're no, you're fine. Nothing's shown up and you don't actually get to see what it says if you could interpret it. Now, what if you're asked to see that on that level, what does this mean? Sit down in front of your doctor and say, you know, I'm kind of just on the border with this number, whatever that looks like. So what does that mean? How is that impacting my health? And how do all of the markers that show up on a blood test, how do they interact with each other? What's the story that this is telling you? Now, I've got some blood test results that I've passed on to our listener favorite guest, Dr. Davis Brockenshire. He's a functional medicine expert, and he's coming on today to help us learn more about what on earth do these numbers mean and how to actually ask for the right tests. And then, of course, what to do with those results. the way from Innovative Health Solutions in Plymouth, Michigan. And today he's in his wine cellar, chilling off a little bit too much, probably. Oh, good to be back. I'm excited. Excellent. So today is part of my Be Intentional series where people, you know, are kind of they're taking the reins on their own life and their own health, if they haven't already, or how to deepen that. Then let's talk about one of the tests that you get from your doctor. Typical blood test? Like, why do we bother with a blood test? What's it going to tell us? So you go to your doctor or your nurse practitioner or your naturopath and they want to run blood work. Mm -hmm. Nobody asks why. You're like, all right, you roll up your sleeve and they draw blood. The vampires come out. Sometimes it's one or two vials. Sometimes it's 12 vials. Nobody really knows why, but uh, you do it. You feel weird after. Then you go to Tim Hortons, get an apple fritter to replenish your blood sugar. <laughs> not, not our loyal listeners, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not the best thing to do. But, you know, growing up, that's what we did. You got blood work and then you went out for breakfast. Right. You figure that's the end of it. But then you get a call. The doctor needs to see you to go over your results. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm dying. But that's that's what happens. The doctor needs to bring you back into the office or do telemedicine to review your results. And in the modern era, 
we're starting to realize that with access to medical information online and Dr. Google, Nurse Facebook, you can learn a lot about your own test results yourself. Unfortunately, at the same time, our level of medical education in North America is getting poorer and your doctor might not necessarily give you the best information from your test results. So as a health consumer, what are you supposed to do? Who do you trust? You got one doctor that says your thyroid's fine. Your other doctor says your thyroid's falling out and you need to do something about it. Your cardiologist says your cholesterol is going to kill you. Your endocrinologist says your cholesterol is fine. And you're going around and around and around if you're lucky enough to even see a specialist. Right. So what are you supposed to do? Well, it's 2022. You can order your own blood work. And if you can't figure that out, somebody will help you. You get your own blood test. But what do you order? What do you do with the results? So what I want to do is go over kind of the essentials, cut through a lot of the BS between the lines. And uh, at the end of this, your listeners should have a better understanding of why we even look at blood. Yes. You know, it's still, still the gold standard, but there are other methods out there. And I think one of the consistent things that I see happen all the time is people get blood results back and, and they feel that they identify with that blood. And if there's something wrong with it, they get depressed, they get scared, they get anxious. All they think about is that cholesterol number didn't look right. Am I going to be okay? So mm-hmm. put some peace back into people's uh people's minds. I mean, after all, if your mechanic said, you know, your right front tire looks a little low, you're like, shut up. I'm going, I am in a hurry. I'll deal with it later. Right. I'll just drive faster and it'll get hotter and then the pressure will build. <laughs> if somebody says your cholesterol is a little out of range and you're already talking to your attorneys to redo your estate plan, you know? Keep it yeah. in context. So you sent me a couple of test results to review. So I don't have one for myself because I would always yeah. use myself as a guinea pig. So instead you got my kids. But essentially what I'm looking at is uh, what we would consider a basic blood draw. So let's say you take your teenager to the pediatrician and you say, I want to do a wellness visit or a physical and they draw blood and you get your results. And one thing to remember in Canada, if you're looking at your own test results, your results are typically in a different form of metric measurements than some of the tests are done in the United States. If you have them done, I just did a consult for a gentleman in Kiev and his numbers were in a different way of metric measurement. So you really got to know your metric here, people. And there are (laughs) online calculators to help you. So don't panic. Um, Okay. But in general, let's, you know, we'll go through this. So we're looking at blood, right? We're looking at those those red things and those white things floating around in your bloodstream. So it's a vena puncture. You're extracting fluid from a vein. And then right. that vial goes into a machine and the machine takes it apart and spits out a report. And there's a blood test. In hematology, right, the study of blood, we want to look at red blood cells, white blood cells, and all the other things in between. Mm-hmm. So some of the things you want to look for, first of all, real simple, is red blood cells. Do you have any? Yes, right. you have enough. Well, it depends. Right. Now, of those red blood cells, how good are they? Can they carry oxygen? Do they have iron? How many immature ones do you have versus mature? So there's all these things we can measure just from a simple red blood cell count that I think gets overlooked in the modern era, particularly with respect to nutrition. If you're told you're anemic, that really doesn't mean anything because there's so many different kinds of anemia. But some of the things we look look at are uh, one of the measurements called hematocrit, which yep. is it's a percentage. 
And so if you're blood doping at the Olympics, they're going to look at that number and say, oh, you've been naughty. You've been doing something that you shouldn't have because your hematocrit should not be above a certain level. And that's why with drug use in athletes, it's easy to spot on certain blood tests. So don't do that. Don't eat the meat in China either. Remember that Olympians, you'll uh, flunk a blood blood test. So yeah, this hematocrit number is the thing to key in on if you're worried about uh, performance, wellness, energy, sleep, all that stuff. Because if the percentage of hematocrit is low, you're going to be more prone to things like anxiety. And so we can start seeing things regarding mood, mental health, et cetera, just from a CBC, a complete blood count. And, you know, we could go on and talk about anemia all day long, but most medical students would fall asleep or have a panic attack. So we'll that. But when you look at a CBC, that's your window into your B vitamin status. Okay. Your blood cells look weird. Chances are there's something going on with vitamin B12 or folic acid or vitamin B6 because those are required to have healthy red blood cells. The other thing we want to talk about, particularly in today's environment, are the WBCs, the white blood cells. Yep. And if you don't have enough of those, you're not fighting off infection very well. That's if scary. you have scary. too many of them, then you're actually fighting an infection. So you want to see you know, these things in a sweet spot. So speaking of the sweet spot, you're going to see a range on your lab test. Yep. Those ranges are subject to change, and those are considered averages based on the population. So if we looked at the average ranges for Canadians, those ranges will look different than, say, the average ranges in Japan. And when you look at blood work from around the world, it can get confusing because you're thinking, man, what's going on in Kiev that's not going on in Mississauga? Right. A lot of things, but it's a cross-section of the population. So just because your number's in range doesn't mean it's ideal. Right. And I think that's a really important thing because we've got a reference range. And and as I said off the top, have your blood test. Your doctor says, no, everything's fine. You might have a little bit of red thing here because you're kind of on the edge or something might show up. But it does not necessarily mean, okay, you're fine. And that's why we're talking to you to break this down. So you need to know the details of each one as a physician. So when we get into the white blood cells, I'm sure people have looked at their blood tests before and they see these things. They're like, well, what's all this whole page about things called neutrophils and lymphocytes and basophils? Like, what's all this got to do with anything? Oh, it's all normal, honey. Don't worry about it. You're fine. Yeah. Until somebody like me looks at it and says, well, you've got elevated eosinophils and they're 300 times out the range. That means you have severe allergies. But I was tested for food allergies. Well, it may not be food. You might be that cat you're living with. Mm-hmm. So eosinophils are a good measurement for allergies. The other one I see a lot that gets missed are called the monocytes, which are white blood cells. If the monocytes are high, you should be suspicious of some kind of parasitic infection. Mm. Well, again, my doctor says I'm normal. Well, normal in that world. But if you look at this, hey, were you in Tanzania recently? No, I was in Costa Rica. Oh, my goodness. You could have a parasite. And maybe that didn't show up in a stool test. Or maybe you had, you know, you had diarrhea while you were there and you're back and you think, oh, no, I'm fine. Except parasites like to live for a long time. Up to 50 years, you could have one and not even know it. Right. Isn't that crazy? It's like some people I know, but that's another story. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say I was married to a parasite for about eight years. That that wouldn't be fair. (laughs) 
right. <laughs> There's some court documents involved. <laughs> Speaking of which, interesting segue, Chris. Thanks. <laughs> Here we go. Sorry. <laughs> Off the track we go. Wee. Oh, I needed that. That's great. Uh, when we look at fertility and we look at pregnancy, you know, that's a very stressful time in a person's life. And there's a lot of blood being drawn regularly. One of the reasons you have a lot of blood drawn regularly when you're pregnant is to really watch for anemia. Mm-hmm. Because... If mom's blood count starts dropping and you don't get ahead of it, the IQ of the baby can suffer. I treat enough pregnant women and, you know, Leanne, you and I have been through this as parents. When you're pregnant, you really don't want to screw it up. No. So it's really important to pay attention to anemia. That's like the number one thing to look for. Get your B12 measured, get your folate measured. And there's another marker with respect to this called ferritin, which in my opinion should be on everybody's regular blood screen. Ferritin is your storage iron. So that's the iron that your body pulls from if you need some right away. And a lot of kids today have low ferritin because of things like leaky gut, food allergies, vitamin deficiencies like B6, 12, and folate. They don't get enough green foods in their diet. And the main symptom of low ferritin is anxiety. I remember you telling me to have that checked and I specifically had to ask. And it was low. For my daughter and it was crazy low. The other great mimicker of hypothyroid disease or Hashimoto's Mm -hmm. is low ferritin. So if you've been diagnosed with Hashimoto's or you're on thyroid medication or you have high cholesterol or you have high blood pressure, you might want to check your ferritin because that's kind of the canary in the coal mine for a lot of issues. So hopefully right there, people are going, I got to get some blood work done. And And ask for the ferritin. Ask for ferritin. Ask for the ferritin to be added to that. Correct. And on the other side, if ferritin is really high, that's an early warning sign for cancer. Why wouldn't we want to order it? it? You know, it doesn't cost much to add it to the tests. And it's a great nutritional trigger, uh, particularly for kids, because if you can get that ferritin up north of, say, 30, you see a lot more mood stabilization. A lot of other symptoms will start to go away. And how do you correct that? How do you correct the ferritin? You got to, well, the only way to build ferritin is to take an iron molecule and assemble it with B6, 12, and folate. The other missing link there is magnesium. Ta-da! Yep. There's our magnesium. You knew we'd get here, Chris. Yeah. I'm taking my magnesium. I hate it. I'm not a pill guy, but uh, I take it every day. Seriously. We should measure his red blood cell magnesium levels then. Nobody's measuring nothing on me. Forget it. (laughs) All right, well, I'll bring the tools, Leanne. You hold them down. Okay, awesome. Yeah. And then just after the blood draw, um, Chris, you know how he said about going to Timmy's and getting that, what was it, the apple fritter or whatever? We'll just just have Chris's, uh, you know, Friday night drink at the ready because it's got some (laughs) crappy pop in it. No? If there's two things that I always have in this household, it's whiskey and apple fritters. Oh, okay. All right then. Well, we'll just bring the whiskey with the apple fritter. He'll be right. <laughs> he'll be right as rain. <laughs> dip the, you dip the fritter in the whiskey. So good. Oh, God. <laughs> so good. I'll set up a drip of caramel macchiato sauce just in case. <laughs> <laughs> that works quick. <laughs> 
Speaking of glucose. Speaking of. Yeah. Nice segue back to the blood test, you two. Let's um let's close the door on ferritin for a minute because there's a really cool relationship here. Um, as you know, humans, mammals, blood is typically red. Yep. I mean, that's the iron. But chlorophyll is green. So plant blood is green mm-hmm. and mammals are red. The only difference is one molecule. So in, in mammals, iron gives us the red and in plants, magnesium is what gives chlorophyll the green. So if you wanted to talk about the importance of magnesium, yeah, that's plant blood. So for our fellow vegan friends out there, you know, Lots of green stuff, lots of chlorophyll is a good way to build your blood because as a vegan, you don't necessarily get large doses of B612 and folate. Yeah. But if you're getting lots of good, uh, lots of mushrooms, okay, particularly Ganodermis, shiitake, oyster mushrooms, those are all good blood builders for people that don't eat meat, as well as your legumes, et cetera. Greens are good. Right. They're very good. On a typical blood test, do you just have iron? Like, what is your yeah, iron yeah, level? Yeah, there'll be a, a measurement of iron, and there'll be a bunch of other things, uh, how well your body's using iron, the capacity to use iron, the percentage of iron. But right. you bought that right from a regular CBC. Right. And for those of you that are taking any kind of heartburn medication, your iron is going to run low. Because your ability to absorb iron is poor when you take heartburn medication. Even Tums will reduce the absorption of B12 and iron. Mm. So it's important to do blood work. Um, In the modern era, you know, a lot of clinicians in functional medicine, we kind of look at all the other cool tests. You know, you you can measure poop and pee and saliva and all this stuff. But we still need to have some blood work on the patient to to get a baseline, if you will. Right. To understand it. Sometimes people, they pull down their eyes and then inside, if it's not very red and it's a bit pale or your gums are kind of pale, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. My grandmother used to say that because you're low in iron and give me something else. Does that still ring true? Yeah. You look at the gums, look at the tongue. And if you have chronic hip pain. That could also be another marker for anemia. Runners, if you've got IT band syndrome, that could be anemia. Mm. Worth checking. Definitely worth checking. Okay. Take away from that, that you have to have your ferritin checked for sure. What's next? Sugar. Sugar. And I don't think you're saying eat it. Go, go. (laughs) Don't go eat it. (laughs) Easy, (laughs) Archie. Sorry. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's, uh, oh man, hundreds of thousands of type 1 diabetics in North America who could teach a lecture on sugar management. It's a horrible disease, but, you know, if everybody understood how to measure sugar correctly and pay attention to it, then we would have a better understanding of why we even look at glucose. So, Holly Berry, for example, near and dear to my heart. She's a type one diabetic and she's been one since 17. And in conversation, we were talking about glucose measurements, inflammation and insulin. And one of the things she does regularly on her blood work is measures fasting insulin. As you know, with diabetes, you know, you you need to work the insulin situation uh, on both ends of the spectrum, type one or type two. But 
often they don't measure fasting insulin on a blood test. They would just do that. You would have a better understanding of where the disease of diabetes is. In type 2 diabetes, if, and we don't call it adult onset anymore because it happens to kids too, but in metabolic syndrome or type 2, if you look at fasting insulin, it's going to be on the high end. So while you're looking at sugar, let's look at insulin first. So if you're going to have blood work done, have a fasting insulin tagged with it. If it's high, you could still have normal numbers everywhere else, but that's a sign that you're going down the path of type 2 diabetes. The other thing about insulin is it's extremely pro-inflammatory and pro-infection. So if you know you're insulin and you're trying to be as healthy as possible, you want to keep that on the low end of normal and you'll feel a lot better, which is why diets like keto, carnivore, paleo, those are insulin reducing diets and they work great. The, uh, The fasting glucose, that single measurement. Yeah not really a useful measurement in the big scheme of things because it only tells us what happened in the moment. So if I'm looking at one of the results of my daughter, then we've got glucose serum fasting. Mm -hmm. Reference range is from 3.6 to 6, and she was at 5. Right. So that's, on paper, a good number. Yeah. But again, it really doesn't tell us anything clinically. So you could be 20% over the mark and not have any clinical relevant issues unless you're having a life insurance screening and then they're going to tag you. But that's a different story. Mm -hmm. So we do the glucose just as a spot check, but a better measurement for, you know, how you're handling sugar would be the insulin, but also the 90 day sugar measurement, which is called your A1C. And that's a better overall assessment of how well your metabolism is working. So if that number keeps trending up, that means your body is not using carbohydrates well, and it's also not making very good insulin. What does insulin and testosterone have in common? Yay, testosterone. (laughs) Well, for you dudes, yeah. Yeah, you can't make either of them well without zinc. So if you have a zinc deficiency your insulin's going to be poorly made and you're going to have low testosterone. So before you start injecting testosterone, maybe we should check your RBC zinc levels, which you would just add to the blood test. So it's called an RBC red blood cell zinc measurement. Because if you're deficient, not only are you going to be obese, you're going to be tired. You're not going to feel like doing anything. All the symptoms of low testosterone. And ladies, the zinc, zinc's important too. You can't manage copper without zinc. And you can't manage estrogen without copper. Mm -hmm. And if you're on any kind of oral contraception, your copper levels will tend to be very high. Yeah. So if you're on birth control, you have to measure your RBC copper. And what if you have a um, IUD? It's copper. Yeah. If it's a hormonal IUD, then you should still measure the copper levels. Because if you end up with low copper, you can have the symptoms of fibromyalgia. So all of these little things that should be on your blood work, but are not because a lot of doctors just don't either want to go into this stuff or... that They maybe just haven't put the puzzle pieces together to know that these are how to read the blood test in this way. Because how you're coming at it is from the functional medicine. You know, how is your body functioning as opposed to, okay, so if you're not deficient, do we really need to worry about it? So if we did pin Chris down and did take his blood, (laughs) because he's been taking magnesium, and magnesium is one of the results that can can be on um, on a blood test. Mm-hmm. Does that show 
do you actually because there are certain things on a blood result that don't let you know that you are you know that he's nourished enough that he has enough magnesium there's two kinds of magnesium measurements the magnesium that was done on your daughter is just a basic serum magnesium right so we don't make clinical decisions based on that from a deficiency point of view no on chris we would order what's called an rbc magnesium which measures the amount of magnesium on the red blood cell that's how we would know whether or not he's actually been taking his magnesium that's probably the one nutrient that when people, when I talk to people, cause I offer like a 15 free, free 15 minute, let's go over my supplements kind of thing of what I'm taking. And it's just a really quick, mm-hmm. quick chat about it just to make sure, you know, they say I'm taking my magnesium. And the most common thing is I do say, I ask what's the form and how much are you taking? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm taking, um, it's a citrate and I'm taking a hundred milligrams a day, but I'm still not sleeping or I'm still getting cramps or whatever it happens to be. And that's really where the magic is, is because it's just not enough. So if you could also correlate that with a blood test, I don't right. know that you really need to, it's not like you're really going to go um, toxic in magnesium because your body uses it so much, but that could be one of the things that you would look for on your blood test. It's a standard test in most functional medicine offices. And if it's low, you're not leaving that office without a needle in the butt, Chris. Oh, oh wow. they're going to inject you with magnesium. You just said that this is a functional medicine <laughs> test. Is this something that we can have just walk into the doctor's office yeah. and say, you know, I want RBC. What did you say? Zinc, yeah, RBC, R- zinc, RBC, copper, yeah. RBC, magnesium. Can I still get a needle in the butt? Sure. All right. <laughs> I'm in. Let's go. I think we'll do some B12, though. <laughs> okay, so B12. B12 that comes up on a blood yeah. test. What yeah. about that? Boy, did they get that wrong. Oh, no. All right. So <laughs> who's they, right? Yeah. Who, who decided to make these ranges? Right. So the B12 that's measured is, you know, B12 that's in the blood. Uh, it's it's measured in picomoles for those of you that are paying attention. So really, really tiny. And the range in Canada runs any from anywhere from 180 to 655 picomoles per liter, which is technically low. So in a rational pragmatic medicine, we're shooting for a thousand. Right. And here's I why. that number. Yeah, yeah a thousand. And a lot of doctors, when they see that, if the if your B12 is a thousand, they might freak out. So, oh my goodness, you've got something wrong. Right. Uh, the lab that I'm currently looking at from you, Leanne, the B12 is at 663. So B12 is involved in so many reactions. But for our discussion, if you don't have a surplus of B12, you're going to have a very difficult time managing stress chemistry. And every time you have stress, shock, trauma, you know, even it's just because hockey got canceled for two days and, and you're having a complete meltdown, you can burn through your B12 quickly because it is water soluble. So it's one of those nutrients that we need to look at taking regularly, make sure you're getting it in your diet, make sure you're absorbing it. Yeah. And you also have to check your folic acid levels because B12 and folate work together. So if you just took B12 and didn't take some folate, you could actually cause a folate deficiency and vice versa. Every morning when I have my methyl B12 spray, five sprays in the morning, five sprays at night. And then to my kid boost, I add in the liposome B complex. I personally am covering all of that. 
we order B12 on children. Their very first blood test. I'm going to make sure I do a B12 because you yep. can't have a healthy nervous system if your B12 is low. Now, if your B12 is at 5,000, you probably have cancer. So that's worth looking at. Right. But in general, that's a that's another marker that everybody should have added to their tests as well as vitamin D. Okay, so break down vitamin D then, because there's a lot of yeah. chatter, chatter about it's useful, it's not useful. Well, the first lesson there is stay off the internet. And uh, if you have the ability, except for the podcast, you got to go on the internet. Of course. But if, <laughs> of course. if you're serious about doing research, you should go to PubMed and do your own research. Don't listen to other podcasters, except us, talk about certain <laughs> vitamins because they're not actually reviewing the literature. It's third and fourth party information. 1999, we're looking at MS. And I said to the pathophysiologist, I said, well, don't you find the correlation between MS and vitamin D deficiency interesting? And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, look at the distribution of MS on the planet. It's all north of Atlanta. And she went, oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's real smart. And then she started a research project at Washington University in St. Louis to look at the relationship between vitamin D levels and MS. And last week, wouldn't you know it, it was announced online that there's a direct correlation between low vitamin D and MS. Nicely done, Dr. B. So don't get frustrated. What we know for sure is that vitamin D is probably the most important vitamin to measure in your blood. Mm -hmm. There was a time in Canada, Health Canada said that everybody under 12 needs 2000 units of vitamin D3 a day. Don't test them, just give it to them. Because they found that at 2000 units a day, it reduced the incidence of influenza. So all of these things have been going on the last 20 years. Vitamin D is good. Now, what happens if you get vitamin D toxic? What are the symptoms? Does anybody really know? Of course we do, because they did studies on this in the 1920s. Here's what happens if you get too vitamin D toxic. You might get a little tremor. You might get a little back pain over where your kidneys are. You might get a headache. And the cure is stop taking vitamin D and it goes away. Don't demonize the D. It's, it's the sunshine vitamin. And believe it or not, mushrooms make their own vitamin D. So if you're eating mushrooms, you're actually getting some vitamin D from, from them. Anyways, you need D to basically act as an anti-inflammatory. Uh, vitamin D is a hormone, all right? It's made from cholesterol. If you're deficient, your risk for all other causes of mortality go up. And when you have your blood draw and you end up with the 25 hydroxy vitamin D result mm -hmm. that should be between 76 and 250 nanomoles per liter. Is that telling us exactly where we're at? Well, just like in our dating life, aim high. <laughs> <laughs> that does not happen. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get some blood on you, Chris. Um, <laughs> The current research around uh, our current health emergency shows that you want to be in the upper 85% of that range. If you have breast cancer or you're severely concerned about breast cancer, go to the limit. But it turns out that if you're a breast cancer risk, you want to have even higher vitamin D because it's shown prevention uh, against certain processes there. Mm. End of the day, don't be afraid of D. If you're not dosing 10,000 units a day and you live north of Atlanta, you're not getting enough vitamin D. If you're dairy-free, you're definitely not getting enough vitamin D. Do you really get enough D from dairy? 
course not. But people are going to ask that question. Yeah, but it does it really, really needs to be yeah. like full fat vitamin D too. You would need 200 servings of vitamin D milk a day to get enough vitamin D to correct a, a deficiency. That ain't happening. No, that's a lot of dunking. So is there a test result on a blood test that really, it just is not a great indicator? Like what about calcium? What about other, we've got sodium here. I've got potassium, chloride. One of the ones that freaks people out in the last couple of years has been kidney ratios. So albumin, creatinine, things like that. Okay. And one of the reasons those are showing up is because people are dehydrated. Ah. They say fasting blood work. Well, it doesn't mean don't drink water. Right. Right. So if you're getting slightly elevated kidney numbers, repeat the test before you actually act on it and make sure you hydrate. For the minerals that you mentioned, calcium and the phosphorus are useful to look at mainly because of bone health, parathyroid health, et cetera. But the sodium, now everybody's you know very keyed in on the word sodium. We're seeing sodium coming back low on a lot of people. What that means is they've been under extremely uh, chronic, stressful situations for a long time. Oh. And as you know, you, you live in North America, you've seen what stress is like lately, your adrenal glands can burn through sodium. So if you're on a low sodium diet as prescribed by your physician mm -hmm. and you're having a lot of issues with stress, you better watch your sodium. Uh, it's classic in cancer patients to see the sodium start dropping and it's not from the treatment, it's from the stress. Just off the top, you had mentioned in looking at one of the results of my daughter's mm -hmm. about um, liver enzymes. Yeah. So where does that show up? In a standard chem panel, they're going to look at liver and kidney. Typically, you're looking at things like alkaline phosphatase. Um, and there's a bunch of other measurements that are acronyms. Mm -hmm. Depending on where you had the lab done, they may be called other words, but it's it's under the liver section. And in a child, well, I wouldn't say, let's say if you're under 14, it's not uncommon to have elevated levels there, mainly because the ranges are based on adults, right? So we don't panic if it's a little bit out of range, but if it's a lot out of range, then we start asking about medications. Now, the first thing I hear from teaching hospitals is if a liver enzyme is out of range, it must be the supplements because it's always the supplements fault. You must be on red yeast rice and that's what's killing you. That's why your liver enzymes are high. No. What kind of medications are you on? Well, if you're on a statin, you run the risk of elevated liver issues. That's why you get your blood drawn every three to six months. And there's a, a variety of medications that will cause liver issues. So that's why you should have your blood checked regularly if you're on medications. Such an exciting topic. Oh my goodness, this is awesome. <laughs> I know. You know. It's more fun. Let's talk about anti-aging. Oh, okay then. Hey, yeah, hey, I like that direction. I'm, I'm, I'm looking old, man. Look at me. I'm looking at myself in Zoom all day. What's with all the lines? I can't get any more filters. I need makeup. <laughs> One of the measurements you can do is called homocysteine. Tag a homocysteine on your regular blood draw. Yep. A homocysteine is like doing an emissions test on your cells. So you take your car to get an emissions test to see if everything's working right, is it burning clean? And uh, if your homocysteine is high, that means you're rapidly aging, right. particularly in your arteries and in your brain. 
The sweet spot for homocysteine is easy to remember. It's 7-Eleven. Want to see your homocysteine between 7 and 11? And this is the inflammatory marker. It's a marker for inflammation, waste material, um, toxicity. Yeah. So if you have a cardiovascular risk, let's say heart disease runs in your family, Mm -hmm. you have got to measure homocysteine because you won't have the cardiovascular problem if homocysteine is normal. It's your one test to order if you're seriously concerned about living a long, vital life. Taking control of your health and finding out more about what's going on with you, not only from a genetic standpoint, but this is more of a snapshot of where you're at right now. What's the one thing people freak out about lately if their doctor has to call them back? Your cholesterol is high. Right. Yes, that's one we didn't talk about yet. Or is it? Ah. So let's do the cholesterol piece because this is an I've been one. through this myself, uh, both ends of the spectrum, and I see this over and over and over. Yeah. Why do we even measure cholesterol in the first place? Because it's not something that was measured 40 years ago, just wasn't part of a routine screen. But then somebody somewhere made a connection with a drug that lowered cholesterol. And I thought, well, hey, it really lowers cholesterol. We got to find a reason to make that important because when they were researching these substances, they were actually researching it for erectile dysfunction. Yes. And uh, it found out, well, it didn't do anything down there, but man, did it lower cholesterol. So now we need a reason to sell low cholesterol. So if we hop in our DeLorean, crank it up to 88 and jump on the 407 and go back to 1976, (laughs) if you went into a hospital, you couldn't actually test cholesterol below 200 units in the U.S. And today, if your cholesterol is over that number, you get flagged with high cholesterol. So in one generation, we've radically changed how we interpret significant blood markers. What you want to remember about cholesterol is it's going to be what it needs to be. So your liver is is creating cholesterol for repair, for hormones, for vitamin D. It's listening to your thyroid. If your thyroid is weak, your cholesterol goes up. It's not just about eating chicken wings and drinking beer. There's a lot of reasons cholesterol goes up and diet can only impact about 20% of that number. All right. Yes, we need to clean up our diet. But have you noticed, Leanne, in dietary research, Mm -hmm. that's why we all have bruises and and wrinkles in our foreheads from hitting our head on the table. (laughs) Low fat doesn't do anything to cholesterol. High fat didn't do anything to cholesterol. Okay. Low carb, high carb, high protein, low protein. They all come back inconclusive. Yeah. What we know is if you're serious about living a long, vital life, control the inflammation and oxidation of cholesterol. Then it can't do anything bad. Right. One of the symptoms of low cholesterol is psychosis. So if your cholesterol is on the low end of normal and you're starting to feel a little twitchy, you might want to get that looked at because your body is trying to make cholesterol. You can't make hormones without it. So don't panic if your numbers are a little weird. And if you're serious and you want to know more about your future risk of cholesterol, then you don't just look at the LDL cholesterol. You got to take it apart and look at all the different kinds of LDL, particularly if you have a family history of sudden heart attack. All of those things can be moderated by adding things like green tea to your diet on a daily basis. Chinese mushroom, Ganoderma, or Rishi, 
shiitake, those lower cholesterol. They help the body manage cholesterol in the gut. And take your vitamin D because if you're vitamin D deficient, you're going to have high cholesterol. Ta-da, you make it all sound so easy. We got to go south and get some sun. Yes. One more thing, uh, hormones. They're all the rage online. Get your hormones tested. Yep. One thing to remember, when you test hormones in your blood, you're testing the hormones that are circulating, not the hormones that are actually working. Mm. So when you get your hormone measurements back, you have to take those measurements with a grain of salt. If you really want to know more about how your body's working with hormones, you should be looking at saliva and urine. Now, warning, if you are mail ordering your own testosterone shots, you're not going to be able to do saliva or urine because it's not going to make any sense. So you're stuck doing blood at that point. And blood testing for hormones is awfully expensive. The one marker, if you were hardcore about looking at hormones, this is for guys and girls, autoimmune disease is an epidemic. I spent the last three, four years teaching doctors about why it's an epidemic, but I think everybody gets it now. Have your prolactin levels measured. Prolactin comes off the pituitary, lactin as in lactation. Ladies, you're familiar with prolactin, but if prolactin is high, you're speed racing towards autoimmune disease. That's an easy fix. If it's high, it's really easy to fix. So again, we're doing tests to see how well we're doing. Mm-hmm. why not actually find out, you know, hey, can we predict what's going to kill us? And it does take a skilled eye. I mean, you know, someone like yourself, yeah. you do this all the time. All day. And it's a piece of the puzzle, I would say. A pretty, you know, pretty good piece, but yeah. there's a lot that goes into it. But this, you know, a couple, a blood test, even with a DNA test. Yeah. And you've all got some really solid information on what's going on with Mm -hmm. yourself. And then the most important thing is how do you intentionally start to turn the ship around? Well, how many of your clients say, I want to get some blood work. I just don't feel right. So you get some blood work and they look perfect on paper. Exactly. All the time. That's what instigated this topic. Chris is perfect. You can see it from here. Yeah. (laughs) Right. <laughs> he's, he's trying to he's trying to back up out of out of his bathroom there <laughs> so yeah. that he doesn't get that magnesium shot in his butt. <laughs> anything else? Did we miss anything else off One of these thing, blood tests? Since we're in a public health emergency still, mm-hmm. six hundred and three weeks to flatten the curve. Um, you if you have had COVID, yep. you should be checking your D dimer. Hmm. After the fact, the D dimer is a measurement of the likelihood of clotting in the future. My yes. family needs that. Okay. All, all y'all need your D dimer check. Okay. Because as you've learned, you can get COVID again. Yeah. And again and again. And it would be nice to know if you fully recovered from it. So if your D dimer is normal, you've recovered. But if it is elevated, you need to pay attention to it and take some dietary enzymes to help break that down because the D-dimer is what we use to look for the potential of a clot. Well, thank you very, very much. And I think we need to to kind of continue this conversation because as you mentioned, there's there's urine tests, there's saliva tests. I, I have had done quite a few times a test called thermography 
which really is a snapshot in what's coming down the pipe in terms of those kind of things and how you can completely veer off what it's looking like because there's so many things that can show up on something like that. So let's definitely continue the conversation on how to be intentional. But thank you so very much for helping us break down these these blood tests. It was definitely a, uh, you know, a chemistry lesson today, but for those people that are listening, our lovely loyal listeners, uh, you know, really just jotting down some notes and then going to your doctor and saying, I'd like to have all these tests included and then checking it out. See what they say first, of course, we're not going against what your doctor is telling you, but this just gives you a lot of insight into, um, into yourself. So thank you for, uh, thank you for your wisdom, your insight, and of course, just all your, you know, making us laugh so much David well thanks for the brain dump and I think it's time for a butter tart (laughs) (laughs) yes any information and details expressed during this podcast can be found at sproutright.com or leannephillipson.com All right. So much information again, right, Chris? Like that was just like a mini chemistry lesson. I'm not sure that I really retained all of it. I don't know what my blood, (laughs) my blood test would tell me about why it's not sticking in my brain. But as usual, I mean, we do have a lot of listeners say they listen to this over and over again. And this is definitely one that you might actually even need the notebook next to you when you do that, right? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way to retain that kind of information. You have to write it down. You've got to jot it down. Not all of it necessarily pertains to you and what you're feeling and how you're feeling. So, you know, the one thing that stuck into my head and that it's, Mm -hmm. of course, it has really nothing to do with the blood test. It had to do with him talking about cholesterol and how 40 years ago, they never really checked on it. And so they realized that we need to develop a test for it. And it came out of a, a, a clinical study that was being done on erectile dysfunction. So they developed a drug that was for erectile dysfunction, and it turned out that that drug actually lowered somebody's cholesterol. So in my mind, I picture a bunch of guys standing in line with no pants on, waiting for the flag (laughs) to go up the pole, and and nothing happened, but they felt great. (laughs) Well, because their cholesterol was starting to get lower. (laughs) See, that's where my warped head goes. I don't know where he gets all his information. He's like a walking... Uh, internet for crying out loud. Although I would trust totally what is. came out of his brain more so than the internet these days. Right? Yeah. Because it it comes down to the analysis. You take the information. And I always remember, Chris, once, and this was way back when we were still in the studio. And you said to me, I, I think I had searched for something. And then I, you know, kind of whipped through it and and sort of analyzed it. And I remember you saying, I want to know what it is that you're searching for. What sites are you going to? Yep. And what is it? What information is it that is it that you trust? Because that just helped me realize that I have such a foundation of knowledge that when I go to look at a study, a site or something like that, I'm coming at it with a different set of eyes to anyone else using Dr. Google and trying to figure out what's going on. Exactly. And And that really, really is the same situation for Dr. B because there are moments where I listen to what comes out of his mouth and my brain kind of shuts down and thinking, oh, I don't know if I can retain all of that. Like there is so much wisdom in his brain. And I do think that there are certain people out there and I've met a lot of these doctors who just hold on to it like a photographic memory almost. Mm -hmm. And thank God that they're out there. But I just, I'm so grateful that we have him and have had him on 
uh, eat this with Leanne so many times to really up level. I'm not, we are not, I'm not trying to blow your brains with all this information. I'm trying to expand, you know, the expansion piece of understanding that there's more information out there that can impact your health, I think is so important. So please try not to feel overwhelmed. If you think, Oh my God, how am I going to do all of this? That's when you reach out to someone else. That's when, when I talk to clients and do a, do a discovery call to make sure that I'm the right person to help people before we even get into consulting. And I do that to make sure that it is in my wheelhouse. Um, or I would pass someone on to maybe someone like Davis, you know, even though he's uh, south of the border in the U.S. And I think really finding the right practitioner to help you with where you're at is key. You can jot down all those extras that Dr. B talked about and say, all right, this is what I would like to have. You're not going to have to pay for all of it. Or if you're in the U.S. and you can have your blood draw, then great, go for it. This is your health. Take all those coffees that maybe you're not going to have or all those donuts or or what was it, an apple fritter maybe that you're not going to have and put it towards the blood test if, I'm you, sorry. You, know, if you have to do that. I'm sorry, not going to have? I, you, you lost me there. <laughs> not going to have the <laughs> apple fritter? <laughs> If they didn't want me to eat it, they shouldn't have invented it. That's how right? I look at it. Oh, my God. That's so funny. That's such a funny way of looking at it. Just can't watch walk past anyone that's made an apple fritter because I think that's got my name on it and they just made it for me. That that, that baker worked hard on that apple yep. fritter. It would be a, an insult to that person if I just walked on by and didn't make reference right. to the fritter. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, if anybody else has that similar opinion and you want to make us laugh, reach out on social media on Sprout Right or Leanne Phillipson. Head over to leannephillipson.com for Dr. B's information. You can find him at Innovative Health Doctors. That's drs.com. But really, the link is over on leannephillipson.com in the show notes so that you've got that link to get to him if this is really just blowing your brains and thought, I just need someone to look after me. He's your man, for sure. So thanks so much for being along today. We love hearing your comments. We love it when you share this with other people because we really want everyone else out there to be intentional. And as Dr. B said, I think that's really positive for 2022 as we've just come off well, we're still going, aren't we really? But, you know, there are things that have changed over the past, but we've all been living in this time and really just taking our power back and looking after ourselves, I think is a really important way forward. So what's coming next? Not quite sure yet. Well, I've got ideas, but they, they just have to land in terms of who we're going to talk to as we continue with this series. And hopefully once I have my DNA test results from episode 101, then that's definitely coming down the pipe. So I keep getting emails saying it's in the lab. My DNA, my spit is in the lab and it's, you know, they're doing their thing. So I'll keep you posted on that. But in the meantime, please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time. <laughs>